comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Facebook, no Twitter, no smartphones, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey. I'm joined tonight by Mr. Brad Milo, Mr. Jim Deeds, Mr. Russell Latham, and Johnny M. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. That was some crazy stuff. That, that did happen, right? All that stuff that I saw, that happened? I will continue to pretend that I was surprised. <laughs> I've been waiting for this episode. I didn't have to pretend. Russ is the man of steel when it comes to <laughs> spoilers. He is the Hal Jordan of spoilers. I have Will. So he's vulnerable to yellow and or wood spoilers? Not anymore. Yes, yes Jordan. Okay, just so I'm following. But yes, we're here to discuss episode uh, 212, Better Angels, and it was quite the doozy. A lot of Five stuff busters. going on. <laughs> Getting that right out of the way, Brad? Five busters. Okay, well, we got the buster rating. It's over. Good night. <laughs> Somebody's excitement cannot be contained. Five busters. I am just excited that we get to let another giant spoiler cat out of the bag from the comics that we couldn't talk about, but we're not going to do it until the end of the show uh, synopsis. Just in case anybody is still planning on reading the comic now that hasn't started yet, we'll give you a chance to bail out. And there is a couple things like that to talk about, actually. This episode was had a character death. It had a, a major revelation about the nature of the virus. It had a lot of stuff going. Yes. Maybe we should get it going. But first, Russell, we have a sponsor for this episode, don't we? We do. As always, our sponsor for the Walking Dead TV podcast is Discount Comic Book Service. That's DCBService.com. And this month on at DCBS, you'll find the second wave of number, number one DC books are bundled at 50% off. So you can get all six of the new number ones. So these are, you know, DC recently relaunched their entire line starting at number one. Um, six of the titles were canceled at number eight, so these are six new ones that they're cycling in. I'm particularly looking forward to the Earth 2 and the World's Finest, um, which have me a bit intrigued, but you can get them all for, for half off if you if you get them in a bundle. Also at DCBS, if you're into digital comics and you want to try and go down that road instead of um, piling and cluttering up your life with print, if you go to DCBService.com and use their portal for Comixology, you can earn 5% towards any print comics that you decide you want to buy um, based on your pur- purchases of digital comics through the Comicsology app at DCB Service. Um, some of the other things going on this month, they have resolicited all 15 volumes of The Walking Dead trade paperback, um, which you can get for heavily, heavily discounted prices. Number, the, all 15 volumes are discounted 40%. So 
being that that first trade is only nine ninety nine, you can get it for five ninety nine. And if you order, um, depending on how you want your shipping, shipping as as a whole, if you just get it once a month, is only five ninety nine. But all of the other volumes of The Walking Dead, two through fifteen, fifteen is the most recent volume um, of the comic that they've released in a collected six issue trade paperback. You can get them for eight ninety nine a piece. Again, that's forty percent off. And uh, this month, the comic is actually double shipping. It's an effort to kind of get things back on track with it. So you can get issues 97 and 98 for 40% off. And I want everybody to pay attention very carefully to what Russell is telling you, because the television program is about to end for a very long time. And a lot of you are going to be jonesing for your Walking Dead and dipping your toes into the comic pool, as it were. And if you're not using DCBS and the code WD8 to get an additional 8% off, you are an idiot. No, you're not an idiot, but you just don't, you're not in the know. Because if you go to Barnes & Noble or even Amazon, they just can't match these prices. And you're going to get the best deal by using DCB Service. Absolutely. So once again, DCBService.com, they have really easy ordering forms. There's an Excel spreadsheet, which I like to use. And you just kind of troll down the list and pick off what you want, tell it how you want shipping, upload it to the site, put in your code, get your 8% if you're a new customer or haven't been for a year, um, and it's easy as pie. Or you could just use the regular website interface and pick and choose what you like. So again, we thank them for their sur- their sponsorship. That's DCBService.com. Hey, Russ, I almost forgot. Uh, you have a bit of an announcement. You were at something cool that our Walking Dead fans and especially our Norman Reedus fans may like to be in on. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I uh, On Sunday, I traveled out uh, to downtown Austin and um, participated. Well, I, I attended a South by Southwest event, and most of the South by Southwest stuff is crazy, insane, expensive, very, very packed and busy. Um, but this, they have this um, at the Palmer Event Center. They had an interactive uh thing going on where it was a lot of mainly video game stuff and and you can go in and try out a lot of different video games a lot of up and coming stuff a lot of indie and uh you know kind of smaller what we call kind of small press uh video games and um so they had a, a main stage area on the on the open floor which was really bad for uh sound and acoustics but they had some cool stuff going on so they did the uh the Marvel Marvel comics had a little panel going on um then they did something for Star Wars the Old Republic and then uh, Norman Reedus and Sean Patrick Flannery uh, participated in a panel that was supposed to be about the Boondock Saints video game that's coming out, but it's in, apparently in the very, very early stages of, of development. So the guys came out, they did about a 35-minute Q&A, really, really funny. They told some great stories. They were so revved up and into the crowd, it was hilarious. Um, you know, I, I just love going to panels where guys really feel like they want to be there. You know, sometimes you see these panels and go see these stars and they're just like, yeah, they're just there because they're there. They're signing and not really, you know, they don't even look up at you. They just kind of do. And these guys, especially Sean Patrick Flannery, he just had so much energy level. And, and Norman Reedus, for all the, all the Reedus fans out there, he pulled out his little um, flip cam or his cell phone or whatever it was. And um, he asked the entire audience to flip him off and um, record, you know, panned around the crowd uh, to record it as to everybody flipping him off. Um, it was awesome because, of course, he came out on stage flipping everybody off. I guess, you know, that's that's his thing. Whenever you see a picture of Norman Reedus, he's always giving somebody the finger. Um, so it was just a lot of fun. So we put this actually on what we call our main feed. Um, but if you go to the website, if you go to hhwlod.com, we'll have it there. You could either stream it from the website. You could download it. 
Um, or if you'd you know, like to check out some of our other shows, you can subscribe to our main feed for the entire network um, at hhwlod.com, and, and you'll get to hear you know, Brad's other podcast, Half Hour Wasted, the podcast uh, John, Jordan, Jim, and I do called Legion of Dudes, um, and a bunch of other stuff going on. Oh, like I said, or you could just uh, listen to the audio directly on the website. Um, but you know, with a lot of stuff going on with The Walking Dead, with the season coming to a halt, we didn't want to kind of crowd out um, the feed because we know a lot of folks are just wanting to, to, to hear and talk about The Walking Dead. But um, but I, I highly recommend you checking it out. It's, it's There's a lot of funny stuff. Um, don't listen to it with the kitties in the room. And um, like, I, like I mentioned on the audio, don't blare this at your office in the middle of the day um, because I did bleep out a lot of stuff. There's There's no foul language per se in the actual audio. But there's a lot of adult-themed uh, discussion in there. But, uh, again, like I said, a lot of fun and uh, just a great conversation. Cool. And with that, Jordan, I think it's time to go through Better Angels. All right, let's get right to it. Uh, let's start out. I don't. I haven't been doing this recently, but I wanted to mention the director for this episode because while I didn't love it quite as much as Brad apparently did, I thought cinematically there was some shots in this episode that were some of the best I've seen since the pilot. Um, they were just gorgeous so the director of this episode is a guy called guy ferland and he, he hasn't really done any movies that you've probably seen uh bang bang you're dead dirty dancing havana nights but he ha- has done just an abs- absolute crap ton of tv i'm looking at his imdb page and uh i'll mention some of the shots as we go through that i thought were, were very good but damn i was really impressed by how this episode was shot so shout out to him brad how many busters do you give this episode five busters <laughs> and that's out of five busters. Brad's not actually here. We just have him on a loop, Brad, buddy. Five busters. <laughs> uh, so the episode starts uh, with intercut scenes between Dale's funeral, which is where we get our audio of of uh, Rick eulogizing Dale, and uh, shots of I believe it's T Dog, Andrea, Daryl, and Shane uh, going throughout the the farm and killing walkers. So uh, Rick talks about how. Dale said the group was broken, and he says that in the end, Dale was right, but they're going to honor his memory, and they're going to piece the group back together, they're going to fix things, and uh, Rick also decides that they're going to let Randall live, but they're going to drive him out about 90 minutes this time, and he and Daryl are going to go out, and Shane is not particularly happy about this. Uh, At the same time, go ahead. I I just want to say, I really, uh, you were just just talking about the direction a minute ago, I really appreciated um, this opening scene. Uh, with the you know the serenity of the the burial of uh, of um, of Dale and you know being juxtaposed with the shots of them uh, doing Walker kills with pitchforks and and hose and uh, especially Ter- and Shane, terrible Shane's, CGI, huh? Zombie kills with uh, pitchforks and terrible CGI. I just like the I just like the juxtaposition of you know the the zombie kills with the uh, the eulogy. I thought that was a really nice uh, nice sequence there, especially the with Shane with a little bit of the. Uh, extra aggression he takes out on that last zombie right before the cut to commercial. But again, I like how they're perpetuating the whole kill him quietly, you know, not just pull out and go guns blazing. Um, and that's something I, th- I think we see more of in in the TV show than even we do in the comic. And I mean, they, they do mention it quite a bit in the comic of trying to keep the noise down and don't attract more and, and stuff like that. But I like how they've really gone out of the way to do that. And to be honest with you, probably from a budgetary standpoint, it's probably cheaper to just you know, do a gun effect and do a, a CGI blood splatter than it is to probably, you know, have to do a full makeup um, for some of the uh, the butchering, as John pointed out. Some of it was was pretty bad, but, um, but you know, again, not anything too horrible. 
I do like how they change it up, though. It's not always a bullet to the head. Sometimes it's a shovel. Sometimes it's a pitchfork. And, you know, CGI or not, you know, at least they're, they're keeping it, you know, fresh. Yeah. I seem to remember talking about the, uh, that they were aware of the noise more, like, early on in season one. I think maybe, like you said, I, th- I think they got away from it a little bit before this episode. Yeah, they were doing a lot of target practice shooting uh, earlier this season. So it seems to kind of go against that. Yeah. I definitely agree about the direction and editing of, of that particular opening scene. I thought that was very good. And, and it was, I think, the first time since uh, since the episode where they killed Sophia or where they killed zombie Sophia that I really got the the full horror of the killing the zombies, I think. Um, there was something about, and maybe this is unintentional, maybe not, but in that scene where they just kill all the zombies in the barn, my thought was not awesome. My thought was, this is horrifying. This is almost a, a a terrible thing that they're doing, even though that they're protecting themselves. And I got the same feeling here. You got the serenity of Dale's funeral, and at the same time, you've just got this slaughter going on on the other side of the farm. You know what I kept thinking, and I tweeted this out? Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> I was wondering where all of a sudden these walkers came from. You know, this is the most action they've seen walker-wise on their farm since they've been there. Well, I think that Maggie says something that the swamp was drying up and that usually, you know, her and Herschel, I remember exchanging a few lines about how, because it's fall, the swamp is drying up, things are getting colder, and, that, you know, there aren't, many, uh, aren't as many walkers getting caught down there as there were before. Or maybe someone else is a fan of office space and they just wanted to do a scene out in a field where they just kick the crap out of a bunch of zombies. The world may never know. Crickets. Crickets. Okay. <laughs> I'm not familiar with office space, I'm ashamed to say. Oh, you, you're a sad, sad card. human being. Turn in your card. Did you yeah, get Yeah, I'm going to, you know, yeah. I'm going to, uh, you know, um, John, I'm going to have to have you stay late and watch that movie, uh, Office Space for me. And uh, maybe over the weekend too, because if you haven't seen it, you're really missing out. All four of us started quotes at the same time. It just sounded like a big noise. <laughs> Let's not jump to conclusions, guys. John, you really should watch that. Okay. <laughs> like Jim said, uh, winter is approaching, and uh, Herschel makes a decision. He says, okay, I, I, it's already been too long. I'm going to let you guys move into the farmhouse. We got to you know, stay inside because it's getting colder and it's getting more dangerous out there, and, and it's about time. So they start grabbing supplies. They move into the farmhouse, and... Uh, like like we said, at the same time, they're they're going out and kind of shoring up the rest of the farm and killing zombies. So Carl goes to Shane, and he tells him what happened with the walker in the swamp. And, you know, he he wants Shane not to tell his parents, and Shane wisely says that he doesn't think that would be a good idea. Uh, but he gives the gun to Shane, and Shane gives it back and says, you need to protect yourself, you need to protect your mom. And Carl says he's never going to touch a gun again, he doesn't want anything to do with it. Setting up, as someone on Facebook pointed out, Chekhov's gun for the episode. Yeah. Literally Chekhov's gun, or in this case, Carl's gun. Carl's off's gun. A little bit after that, uh, Shane is up on, I guess it's just a windmill, right? It's not like a uh, power generating one. It's just a it, good old fashioned farm windmill. It, it's more than likely powering a um, well pump. Ah, okay. Yeah, good point. Well, Shane's up there uh, nailing boards into it because it was swaying or something. I don't know. No, I think he's making a lookout perch. Um, you know, I thought out. about that, but they didn't, never said anything. So, I, well, I I, I, well I, at one point, Rick says, you know, okay, if we're all going to move into the house, we need to move the vehicles in, and we need to set up lookouts at the barn and on the windmill. So oh, I figured I that's that what Shane was, you know, he's putting the boards down so there'll be a lookout up there. Yeah, I figured so, that's going to be like Andrea's perch, you know, so she can get up there and sharpshoot. But I was like, how is he nailing wood onto a metal frame? 
That seemed odd to me. But then I realized I was being extremely nitpicky and told myself to be quiet. <laughs> Depends on how thick the metal is. You, if you, you know, do it right, you can nail through thin metal. I've done it. So while he's up there, Lori comes over and she makes kind of a stupid decision, I'd say, and that she goes over to apologize. But all she really does is instill a little bit of hope in Shane that he could still win her back. Uh, but she's trying to get him to make up with Rick. She says the group needs them to stay together. And she's and she mentions that she's not sure if the baby is his or Rick's. And this is how how long after she told Rick to kill Shane? Uh, yeah, I, a week. I was like infuriated watching this. I was like, okay, this is why I hate Lori. This is why she needs to die. This is why she needs to be written off the show because it just I'm like really I, I just in. It's not one of those like you hate a character because they do such a good job being awful. Like this just struck out to me or stuck out to me as being like bad writing, like the whole flip flopping of her character. I, I don't know. I just I, I don't like it. I don't like the way that it's being done. I have to say this scene literally made my wife yell at our television. And she looked at me and she's like, now I know why you hate Lori. Because <laughs> it made her so like just like you, Russ, it made her infuriated that she would string Shane along like that. That's the way it seemed to me. Like she was trying to, it's like, you know, like you said, John, she just told Rick that Shane needed to die, what, days ago? Not even a week ago, maybe? And now she's like kind of trying to string Shane along, too. It's like she's playing both sides. This was the first of two scenes um, where I was actually really unhappy with the music mix. I don't know if anybody else had this issue. I love Bear McCreary's stuff. Um, we, I even got to interview him for this show way back. And this was the first episode where the music stood out to me in a bad way, uh, kind of soap opera-ish. And that was this scene and, and the scene later where Rick talks to Carl. And it wasn't the music was bad. I just thought it was way too loud. Like it needed to be way more understated and it kind of took over the scene instead of complimenting it. I noticed uh, noticed that also. Uh, it didn't bother me as much, but I just noticed, hey, the music's louder than normal here. I could still hear what was going on. So it didn't take away from the scene for me, but I I did notice that. I, I didn't notice the loudness as much as just the difference in the sound. Like it definitely sounded very very different from what we've heard in any of the episodes prior, and it just kind of stuck out to me as being a lot more I don't know um, emotional. You know, trying to connect maybe on a different level than than what we've seen with the with the rest of the show. For for lack of a better term, it felt much more musicy. Where Whereas yeah. in the other episodes, it's much more ethereal and a tone piece. This was, it felt like, like a song playing in the background in, in both scenes. Yeah. And I just exactly. stood after me. Like you said, Brad, we've never heard anything like that to that extent in The Walking Dead before. So it did stick out. It was just weird to me. It, like I said, the music was fine. It just, it stuck out. It's, that's a good way of putting it. It sounded more like a song as opposed to atmosphere. Yeah. Did, um, did you guys notice in the, Backtrack just a little bit, but it's something I'm, I'm going through my, my notes here. Um, at the funeral scene, when they were kind of gathered around for, for Dale, did you guys notice that Daryl gave Carol kind of a look? Like he just kind of looked at her and almost like did the head nod to her or just like everybody was focused on what was going on, but Daryl was clearly looking at Carol while, while that funeral thing was going. I yeah, did not Daryl, notice that. Daryl made a much bigger effort to be part of the group this episode overall. I mean, he ends yeah. up becoming like Rick's right-hand man. Shane even, you know, calls Rick on that later in the episode. He's like, you want Daryl at your right hand? You sure? You know? I hope they just go with that at this point. 
Yeah. I'm good with that. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, it makes him a player and it keeps his character interesting in the game. Plus, I mean, when we get the eventual reunion with Merle, hopefully, that'll be a great, great uh, dramatic moment. Agreed. So while the group's working on their preparations of fixing up the farm, uh, Randall is in the barn trying to, or I guess it's really more of a shed. He's trying to get his free, his hands free of the restraints. Um, and he looks like he's kind of about to, but right when he's about to, Shane enters the barn and, uh, Shane pulls out a stool. He sits there and watches Randall for a few minutes. Randall is freaking out because he can't tell what's going on because he's still blindfolded. Uh, and then Shane starts slapping himself in the face, pulls out a gun. Uh, points it at Randall and he's about to shoot him. He's just kind of, uh, he's just kind of thinking about it. And then, uh, Randall leans forward and he sees that Randall is still, uh, still handcuffed and Shane gets an idea. So he, the, so he, the, I just wanted to say really quickly, the, the scene with Shane in the shed with Randall, just total taxi driver flashback for me. I mean, yeah. he just looks like, he's like a caged animal. He's like in there. He's like, he's not quite sure what to do. What is he going to, is he going to kill him right now? He's going to, he pulls the gun on him. You know, he, he smacks himself in the face. He's kind of pacing back and forth, you know, just, uh, very, I mean, Berenthal really brings it this episode. And this is like one of the high points of it for me, really. It was just, just that one scene. Yeah. I never really thought about it, but he does kind of have a Travis Bickle look going on right now. Um, yeah, I can definitely see that now that you pointed out. But so he, he, he grabs Randall. He brings him out in the woods. He uh, he releases him and he says, look, I'm sick of this group. I want to join your team. And Randall tells him that the group is his camp is about five miles up the road. And uh, he says, oh, you're going to fit in just fine. And he starts to walk in that direction. And then he walks. I don't know if it was fully out of frame, but he walks behind a tree. So we don't really get to see what happens, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, but we can tell that he gets killed or something. He gets knocked out by Shane and uh Shane then walks up to a tree and again, in kind of a Travis Bickle type thing, he, he just rears his head back and slams his nose into the tree, bloodying it uh, to make it look like he's been attacked. Yeah, when they went behind the tree, I thought I heard either a, a crunch or a snap or something like that. And so I assumed, oh, yeah. he just he just snapped his neck and turns out that's what he did. Yeah. And then, man, like somebody's already said, John Bernthal, it, this was his finest hour. It really was. And, um, you know, I've. I'm glad Shane's gone, but that does not mean I don't think Bernthal's a great actor. He's amazing, and he just he went out the way he should. And this whole episode was just just amazing to uh, the, for John. It was just and and you know when him he's sitting in that that shack or whatever, looking at um, Randall trying to figure out what to do. And then he he's out there in the woods looking at that tree, realizing I'm about to just shove my face right up this tree's butt just to make it look like you know, the guy jumped me. He's just, he did what he had to do. And John Bernthal was just amazing in this episode. Really fine, fine work. And he, he didn't just butt his head against the tree. He butted his, his head or his face against the tree. And then he like grabbed hold of it. And as he, he kind of worked his way down the tree and was like scraping at the bark. I mean, it was just really, really hardcore. I, I thought it was just really well done. But I, like you, Jordan, I like the fact that he snapped Randall's neck off camera. It just had almost like a uh, like a Hitchcock feel to it, you know, where where you don't actually see firsthand what's going on, but you know exactly what happened. And I just thought that was a cool uh, technique that 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 they they employed for that. Yeah, and he knew. I mean, and Shane knows unless he really looks severely messed up that they are not going to buy his story at all. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
So while this is going on, T-Dog, T-Dog actually gets limes this episode, everybody. Uh, take a drink. Everybody take a drink. T-Dog's, T-Dog gets limes. Everybody take a drink. First drink I've had in three months. The Walking Dead drinking game. <laughs> the way to stay sober. So he, he goes out to get Randall from the, from the shed to bring him out so they can uh, drive him 90 miles out and release him. And he says a line that for comics readers will make them chuckle. And for everybody else, well, you'll see next season, but he goes... Governor called, you're home free, opens up the door, and Randall is not there. So he quickly alerts the group. And while they get over there and they're trying to figure out what happened, because the, the handcuffs are still there, but the door was locked, which they all notice is kind of odd. Shane comes back into camp. He hides his gun uh, in the leaves, and he makes up the story about Randall blindsiding him, hence the bloody face. And that uh, Randall ran off into the woods. So Rick, Shane, Daryl, Glenn, they go off into two groups to search for Randall. Uh, Shane and Rick go one way and Daryl and Glenn go the other way. Uh, and it's getting dark, but they're, they're looking for Randall and there's no sign of him. There's this great line that uh, Daryl uses on Shane, though, at this point. He's like, you know, that kid could have been more than a buck 20 and he got, a, you know, he got the better of you. You know, I can't remember the line exactly, but like yeah, showing that he, he's still doubting Shane's story, even though Shane is really messed up. You know? yeah, he said he doesn't weigh more than a buck twenty-five, soaking wet. How could he get a yeah? How could he have got a, a overpowered you? You know exactly. You know, and, and again, you know, Shane, you know, had to mess himself up so bad, and they still and still Daryl doesn't believe him. You know. Well, and we found out from last episode um, that Daryl knows more of what's going on than he leads on. So he knows. I think he knows something's up in general between those two, and that he probably knows that you know. Shane and Lori had something going on behind everybody else's back while it was going on. So uh, that doesn't surprise me that he's a little suspicious to begin with and then, you know, is even willing to call him out, out on it at this point. Real quickly, before we get much further, we already uh, we missed the scene where um, Rick gives Carl back the gun. Yeah, I was just about to mention that one. Uh, uh, a little bit back towards the beginning after Shane and Carl had that talk, Shane goes up to Rick and, and hands him the gun because, like we said, Carl said, I don't want to ever have anything to do with guns again. So Shane brings the gun over to Rick, tells him what happened. They said, you need to talk to your son about this. And Rick says, well, I'll do that. But after we take Randall out and this kind of starts Shane up on uh, what's more important to you, your son or taking this driving this kid out 90 minutes, which one should come first to you? Uh, so Rick actually takes his advice and goes up to talk to Carl. And this was this was a the second scene that I thought the music was out of place, at least in terms of the walking dead we've seen so far, but also one of my favorite shots of the series so far in that silhouetted shot of yeah. Rick and Carl in the, in the door of the barn. I just thought that was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. This is probably my favorite scene of the, of the show. I mean, I know the ending is, is really good, but I just thought that talk between, between Rick and Carl was, was spot on. I mean, I thought, you know, the way they've done Rick's character this season surprises me. Every time I think that he's going to go down one road, he ends up going down the other, and the other ends up being the awesome road. I mean, they they they've really at this half of the season have pointed him in the right direction and and are making good choices for his character to to be the kind of leader that he needs to be. And when he had that that talk with Carl, and he actually lets Carl have the gun, and Carl doesn't want to take it, and he really kind of you know enforces upon him that he needs to have it. And I love when he's, you know, when he, he says that, you know, there's, there's all the stuff I want to say, there's stuff going on. And he says, but I'm, I'm tired, son. And when he says that, I was just like, oh man, that just, I, I just thought that was just extremely well executed. That whole, 
that whole exchange. But, but when he said that, I was just like, it's like the hair stood up on my arms. I was like, that is, that is a bad, badass line. That is, See, that is just very well done. I kind of had the opposite reaction to this scene. I, I kept thinking of Jim saying Rick and Lori Grimes, parents of the year. You know, I, I don't re- recall Rick ever training Carl with the gun, you know, and just, I understand, yeah, there's zombies around and you want to keep him safe, but, you know, he's a nine-year-old kid. You're going to give a nine-year-old kid a gun. I just, it just didn't sit right with me. And maybe I'm alone on that, but something well, felt I think, off. I think with the fact that at this point, Rick thinks that Randall has escaped and potentially could be going to get all of his goons and come back. I think that's raised the stakes in Rick's mind. He's like, look, we have to go out and, and get this kid and bring him back. And, and I can't take Carl with me. And there's all these people here. And if it comes down to it, I would rather Carl have a gun to be able to defend um, than than not. So I, I think I think that kind of elevated a little bit. In, in well, at, at that point, Randall hadn't escaped yet. That this was before that. I thought but he did. No, no, because this is this is when oh, Michael right, Shane says, right. you know, no, which is right. more important to you. But yeah. um, but even without that, you've got the zombies. You've got and and I think didn't they take Carl when they went target shooting like seven episodes ago? I, I can't remember who exactly was there. But, they, they probably did, but it hasn't been overtly shown that this kid can handle a gun. Yeah. And I, I agree with you in real life, Brad, but in, in this situation. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, I think it kind of changes things up. I guess, you know, I live in the real world, so I, I tend to approach things with that. Right, right. Occasionally, so, shame you do. On you. <laughs> but yeah, Rick tells him, you know, my my father would have known what to say here. He was always good with things like this. And, you know, you're not going to get a childhood. You know, unfortunately, you kind of have to grow up now. So it's time to put away childish things, as they say. And here's this gun. You're going to have to, you know, you're going to see me die. You're going to see your mother die. Uh, we're all going to die eventually. You need to be prepared and you need to be able to protect yourself. I think even more so than the gun, it symbolizes the responsibility that Rick is trying to instill into Carl. You know, he has, part of that speech is also, you know, you have to protect your family, you have to protect yourself, you know, and all these other things. And I think it's more the symbolic of the responsibility. Just one other thing about the gun, and then I'll, I'll let us move on. It was pretty funny on Twitter when, uh, when Rick gave Carl Daryl's gun. Uh, many of the Twitter friends were really angry that nobody asked Daryl if, uh, you know, it was all right or, you know, weren't they, wasn't there something wrong with them just giving away Daryl's gun? And then actually later on when they're going out, uh, I think they hand Daryl Dale's gun. Yeah, and he goes, I wish I knew where mine was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, this this is a nitpicky. I read the comics and I want things to be exactly the same thing. But Dale's gun is a six-shooter. And so Daryl gets the six-shooter, and Carl gets the semi-automatic. And from a comic reader's perspective, I'm used to seeing Carl with six-shooter and his little – it's not a Stetson, but with his um, with his sheriff's hat. And so for me, it's like, I want both things, darn it. And then he didn't have them. But, you know, that's a, that's a tiny little nitpick. But beyond all those other reasons why Carl got the gun, he got the gun because he needed to have Carl's off gun by the end of the episode. So in the end, that's what it comes down to. So jumping back to where we were, where the, the two groups, Shane and Rick and Glenn and da- uh, Daryl, are out in the woods looking for Randall, uh, Rick's getting a little bit of suspicious. And, you know, we talked about what a great job John Bernthal did in this episode um, in the earlier scene that we just discussed with Carl and with uh, the whole you know, climax of the episode. I thought Andrew Lincoln really brought his A-game as well. This was some of the best stuff he's done in a while um, emotionally. 
Uh, and it was really subtle, you know, throughout the search for Randall, quote unquote, where you can see Rick putting things together piece by piece, you know, playing along with Shane, but not trusting him and just kind of seeing where this is going to end up. And I, I thought he did a great job of that. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. It like slowly builds up. He kind of slowly gets the idea bit by bit. And then finally, he's like, is this where you plan to do it? You know, and that's like yeah. the pivotal, pivotal line right there. It's like, that's where it turns. I was like, oh, oh. But while they're out doing that, Glenn and Daryl, they find Randall. Um, and at first, they're going to ambush him. But it turns out, hey, Randall is a zombie. And he attacks him. And Glenn tackles uh, Randall. And they kill him with a machete to the head. And they examine the body and realize there's no bites. But his neck was broken. Uh, and they're kind of confused about how could he possibly be a walker if he was never bitten. And I think we'll save that discussion for a little bit later in the episode. But that's definitely a big thing for the show that we'll be talking about. I think at this point, we should mention Daryl's mutant power, which apparently is tracking. Yeah, he's definitely the world's greatest detective. Yeah. He's he's, in uh, the dark. Yeah. He's like he's got superpowers with his tracking. I mean, even I can only suspend so much disbelief. Yeah, I gave this episode five busters and I mean it. But I was like. Okay, you see some leaves on the ground, and you said there was a dust up here. How do you know? It just seemed a bit convenient for me. He's, he's the Daryl they need, just not necessarily the one they deserve. <laughs> <laughs> I think an important part of the scene, though, that that we might have uh, overlooked is that Glenn saves Daryl's butt. I mean, Glenn yeah. kind of gets his confidence reinstilled in him that's kind of been lacking and kind of why he's been distant from Maggie, why he wouldn't move into Maggie's room when he came into the farmhouse earlier in the episode. All these things come to a head with Glenn. I mean, they, they fight the walker, and then it goes, it starts to go one way. Daryl gets a hold of him, and then, you know, Glenn ends up saving Daryl's life pretty much. And Daryl is even like, you know, good one, you know, afterwards. I think that kind of like is going to bring Glenn back out of his... uh you know, his gloomy slump he's been in lately. Daryl doesn't miss. How did he miss? He never misses. Hey, he knew Glenn needed to have his confidence built back up, so he staged the whole thing. Yeah, he was aiming for not Randall. Right. What a guy. Yeah, he knew his his little Asian buddy needed the help, so. (laughs) So then we meet back up with Shane and Rick, and they walk into an open field, and uh, Shane kind of falls back a little bit, and this is when, like Jim said, Rick asks, is this where you plan to do the deed? And Rick and Shane begin to argue, and Shane says, you know, Lori's broken, Carl's weak, it's all your fault, Rick. You destroy everything you touch. And he points his gun at Rick's face, and he says, draw your own gun. Uh, and Rick refuses, and he says, you're going to have to kill me. You're going to have to kill me as an unarmed man, and, you, and I know you. You'll never be able to live with yourself if you do it. Uh, and Rick starts to remove his sidearm, uh, and he's kind of holding it, I don't want to say daintily, but he's holding it in a way that's clearly not a threat, and he's handing it out to Shane. Um, well, he's holding, he's holding a grip out, you know, right. pointing toward him, you know, in the submissive, um, fashion. You know what I mean? Like when you hand a gun to the police or something. Which anybody who's seen, uh, Planet Terror knows that doesn't mean anything. You can still kill the guy. But, um. Uh, Ray. <laughs> Ray never misses. Yeah. El Ray. El Ray. told me you were El Ray. I never miss. When I hand my gun over to the police, I always do it that way. Um. So he, he he's holding the gun out. He's trying to talk Shane down, and he's slowly approaching Shane. And he tries to reason with him. He says, "We can work this out. Things, you know, nothing's happened yet. Things can still go back to the way they were." And Shane's he- Shane's hesitating at first, but he lowers his gun just enough for Rick to grab a knife from the uh, from the back of his belt, and he just stabs him right in the heart. 
I loved how the last cut before it actually happens, you can just see Rick starting to reach back for where that knife is. And it's like, is he going for another gun? And what is he doing? Because, you know, this, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but this is different than how it played out in the comics. So even for those of us who knew the ultimate end of this story, where I thought it was very surprising even for us to be like, what's going to happen? Is he really going to let Shane live or what's going on here? And like you were saying, Jordan, the direction really adds to the tension of this scene. We first get the big two shot of them with the mist behind them in the field. Then we see them kind of circling one another, kind of feeling each other out, moving in closer and closer. And as we do, the camera is moving in with them. It's, uh, as you, you know, you did want to shout out the props to the director of this episode, but I really noticed it in this scene. Uh, Definitely. especially. It was gorgeous. Um, and Shane crumbles to the ground and Rick is just, and this is another, you know, tour de force, Andrew Lincoln. He's, you know, damn you for making me do this. This is all your fault. This wasn't me. This was you as uh, Shane is dying. And, uh, at this point, I think this is right where it fades to black. And it was a very different kind of thing than we've seen in the show. I thought it was going to commercial, but it fades to black. It waits uh, three or four seconds. And then in kind of an ode or an homage to, um, when Jim died and he was having those flashes of zombies in his head, we're seeing Shane's dead body lying on the ground with Rick kind of crying over him. And we keep getting these flashes of uh, close-ups of zombies kind of growling and, and screaming. And this is, keeps getting cut, intercut back and forth, kind of inside Shane's quickly zombifying head. Um, so, did, now, is this where we're going to – we want to talk about this? Because before it took a long time for them to turn, it seemed. Well – Jenner says in the first season that it, it's highly variable and it can go from a few minutes to a few hours, how long the transformation takes. Okay, but because I know um, Andrea's sister, it seemed like it took a long time for her to turn. And then, um, you know, it just seems like earlier in the in the season, even in season one when we saw people turn, like when they leave Jim behind after he gets bit, it seems like it takes a long time for him to turn. And, th- and then we get Did like... Did we ever it- see him turn? Well, no, they get rid of him. No, no, they get rid of him before he turns all the way, but he's starting to, you know, fade or whatever. Yeah, but he wasn't dead. I guess the difference here is, I mean, I, I get what you're saying with, with, um, with Amy that she was actually dead and, and it still took her. Well, I guess she wasn't dead. She just got bit. I mean, in, in this case, Shane is definitely dead. Like when Rick stabs him in the heart, he's dead. Well, so, the bite, the bite killed Amy. Uh, did it kill her or did it just, did no, it, it killed her because she was, she was dead for a long time. It was nighttime, and then morning comes, and Andrea's still there hovering over her. Okay. I wasn't I wasn't sure that she was actually dead. So, but, yeah. I mean, like Jenner said, it's highly variable. It can go from yeah. a few minutes to a few I, hours. I, so they've and I think part of this is just, is just dramatic license, right? I mean, right. It, they needed it to be short for the purposes of the story. So I think this is one of those you just need to kind of – like, is it is it really I, – I looked at it as – because I, I thought the same thing at first – like you did, Jim. And then I was like, well, is it really that important that it takes Shane a minute to change versus an hour versus four hours? You know, in, in, in this context, not really. Um, you know, so, so I, I guess I just kind of looked past it. There's a couple things in this episode that I just kind of looked past because I was like, okay, they're, they're doing this to move the story along and it, so, so it doesn't, it doesn't drag out. Um, and, and I think, Whereas in the beginning of this season, and then even to some degree last season, there are certain things that they drug out unnecessarily. And I think one of the things I appreciated with the second half of this season is they're they're moving things along a little more quickly, or more quickly, I should say, um, so as not to, to really just kind of drag this stuff out where we know where it's going. 
And by all accounts, that's a, that's a product of uh, Glenn Mazzara's writing and show running. He, he's not interested in dragging things out as far as they can, like Darabont was. So, Do you think the different ways that people get infected slash die, stuff like that, do you think that's a result of changing showrunners? Because like, I'm thinking back to Jim now that you guys are talking about it. Like Jim was bitten, and the bite wasn't lethal, but like he's getting that fever and turning crazy and stuff. So, well, like, what do you think killing. happens in that instance? He dies from the v- bite eventually. Like, right, what's yeah, making I, I that fever and all that come on? Yeah, I I agree. I think I think definitely, and maybe that again, maybe at that point it, the show was still new. We're still trying to figure things out. Maybe at this point they didn't really want to show all their cards and let it play out. You know, maybe they were thinking, okay, if you're a viewer, you haven't read the comic, which obviously, given the number of people that watch that show, that's the majority. Um, that maybe people will think, well, maybe he'll come back from this. Maybe they'll, you know, amputate his arm. Maybe they'll, they'll do something and, and he won't die. So to kind of drag that out at that point, you know, may have been served the story better than, than at this point. I have a theory, if I may, for just a moment. What if, and I know Jordan, you say, you know, and Jenner in that, in that episode where they're in the CDC says it's highly variable. What if the, I mean, and we also have seen now in two different episodes, they find uh, walkers that were not bitten or scratched by other zombies, okay? What if the virus is mutating? And part of that is, you know, that it's, you know, I don't know, airborne contact or whatever now. Uh, and that another part of that is that it's more fast acting now. Could you know be. I, mean? I could and definitely that, see them would, explaining that. And that would explain like instant chain zombie and, uh, and, uh, and Randall as well. And, you know, maybe the, you know, maybe the virus is mutating now. And that's the explanation for them continually finding walkers now that haven't been bitten. Could be. Yeah. I, uh, from, from what I hear, and, and granted, uh, Kirkman has said since before the season started that we would get the answer to what Jenner told Rick this season. And he's mentioned in a couple interviews I saw today and yesterday that it's likely happening next week. Um, Hopefully it's all very clear in terms of, you know, based on what he said, because if all he said was you don't need to be bitten a turn, then, you know, that does raise some questions. But if, if he, he comes up with, you used to need to be bitten a turn, but now things are changing, then maybe it makes more sense. What did you guys think of the whole fever dream thing? Did you take that as that's what was happening from, from Shane's perspective as he was dying? Yeah, because that's what we saw with Jim. So I'm going to assume it's right. Yeah, I guess I forgot about that, about that bit with Jim. Um, about the whole, you know, the way this all went down, I really thought for a few minutes, and this is kind of where I was talking about earlier about the way that the story changes to better suit Rick as a character. I, I I really, and I was getting mad. I was literally getting mad because I was like, man, if he makes amends with Shane and he's trying to talk him off the ledge so they can go back and they're going to try and, you know, maybe not be best of buds after this, but work this out somehow, I'm going to be pissed. And I was really getting mad. And when when Rick shivs the knife into him, I was like, man, that is awesome. Because I was like, the whole time he's telling Shane that, he knows he's going to kill him. Like, he has no he has no inkling or there's nothing in his mind that is going to make amends with Shane. And I'm pretty sure that Rick even knew walking out to that part of the, of the, of the forest because he kept questioning him about... Oh, you got hit by a rock in the in the nose, huh? You know, he just kept kept at it, and Shane was like, "Yeah, huh?" And you know, things just didn't add up. And I knew at that moment, I was like, "Oh man, Rick has been you know conning the con man, 
and um, you know, he's been getting them out here, to, you know, to to for his purpose as as much as as Shane was getting Rick out there for his. And I just thought that was that was genius. So while Shane and Rick are having their confrontation, we see that Carl is up on the second floor of the barn with a pair of binoculars, and he's looking out onto the farm. So presumably he can see some of what's going on, or at least he hears the gunshot that that fires when uh, when Rick stabs stab Shane because uh, Shane's you're, gun goes off at the same time. You're assuming, of course. Right, I'm, I'm assuming, but I'm just saying that's all we have to go on is he's looking out the window with binoculars, and I believe he mentions that he heard the gunshot as well. But so we see that during their confrontation, and then afterwards, while Rick is crying over Shane's uh, pre-zombified corpse, uh, Carl shows up, and uh, he, he's looking at Rick, and Rick turns, and he's, he's trying to talk to Carl. He's saying it's not what it looks like, and Carl picks up the gun, raises it, and it looks like he's pointing it right at Rick, but we we can kind of see that Shane's eyelids are fluttering a little bit, and uh, as Rick is like, you know, Rick is thinking he's about to be shot by his own son, uh, Shane comes up behind him and is just about to bite him when Carl shoots him right in the head, uh, killing zombie Shane. Rick takes the gun from Carl, and we see it right at this moment, when that gunshot goes off, when the two gunshots go off, there is not only those zombies, you know, the, the kind of spectral zombies inside of Shane's head, but there is a huge herd of zombies right on the other side of this tree line, and we see them attracted by the gunshot. And while it's an, another awesome shot, Rick and Carl are talking in profile, looking at each other, and you can see in the background just uh, you know, 50, 60 zombies starting to pour out of the trees that they can't see. And, and this is when the episode ends, but it was just kind of this really cool image of, oh crap, the season finale is going to be, uh, awesome. We should mention at this point that when Carl pops Shane, uh, it cuts from the shot where you see the bullet hit Shane, then it cuts to a close up shot of Carl and he walks out of frame and the camera rack focuses to what's behind him and it's the house. So what has happened is that Shane basically led Rick in a, a circle or he, he did a U-turn or something and started heading back towards the house. They were so close to the house, uh, they're on the other side of a fence. You can see a fence in between where, where Carl was. There's the fence and then the house is way in the background. And it, it looks kind of looks like the front of the house, actually. But um, See, I thought it was the back because um, Carl sees him from the, 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 the hayloft of the barn, doesn't he? Because he's on well, lookout watch. Because you know he was he was in the day. house because there was glass. It was a normal house window. Oh, okay, my bad. You, you may be right though, Jim. It may be the other side of the house. But the point is, Shane brought Rick back towards the house close enough that they could be seen if anybody was looking. And obviously, well, also could... it's out in the boonies, and and you know sound travels a long way. There's you know, there aren't any cars or industry to block out the noise. I, I find it hard to believe if the house is that close as they showed in that tracking shot you mentioned, Brad, that nobody heard you know Shane and Rick yelling at each other for 15 minutes before you know Rick stabbed Shane. It just well, seems kind of weird. We I... may find out next episode that somebody did hear him. We don't know that, you know. Right. I can tell you. I can I can kind of back up what Jim's saying there. Because I live, I mean, Brad, you know, you've been here. I live out in the middle of, of nowhere. And there's a train about probably two and a half miles away. And at night, when it's quiet, I could hear it very clearly. Um, there's spots here on the property where two people can have a loud conversation. And a quarter mile away in another portion of this property, I could hear it as if I was somewhat close. So when you're out there like that and there's no ambient noise and a lot of nonsense going on, um, you, yeah, sound travels ridiculously far. 
Um, but, uh, but Brad, to your point, I, and maybe it's just cause I'm looking at a low definition, you know, my, I don't have a high def broadcast, um, of it in, in the room I'm watching it on. Um, but I didn't see the, the house in the background. I, I've, I've run it back like about six times and I haven't, I haven't seen the, the house in that shot you're talking about. Um, I'm looking at so, it right now. That's so weird. I guess I maybe backed it up. Just... Carl's pointing the gun. We cut to the shot of the three of them. Rick, uh, Shane is walking up behind Rick. Very close now. We cut back to a shot of Carl. Cut back to a shot of Shane. Back to Carl. Rick, a shot of Rick. He's pointing and son. Now take it easy, son. It's not what it seems like. Boom. He pulls the trigger. Cut to the shot from behind zombie Shane where you see the bullet hit, the blood flies, he falls to the ground. We cut to a back from behind Carl to a two-shot of him and his dad. Carl, Rick turns around and looks at him. Then we cut to a shot of Carl. You can see behind him, he's standing in front of a fence. Carl walks out of frame to the right. The camera rack focuses back behind the fence. There's the house. Okay. I mean, yeah. it, and it's it may be 200 yards away, but it's there. Oh yeah, I see exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, they're yeah. they're they're damn close to that house. Is all my point. You're yeah, gonna hear shot. that. You're gonna hear that gunshot. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You, you like you said, you're probably gonna hear them yelling at each other too. Yeah. See the the gunshot thing lends uh, uh, credence to why all the zombies show up all at once. Again, you know, like you say, Russ, I used to live in a farmhouse. Same deal. Um, you know, cars going by a road two miles away, I could hear. You know, so I would think, you know, that would lend credence to the big herd of zombies coming. But it also would make me think that more than just Carl saw what happened between Rick and Shane. Could be, or or they just didn't get there. So I wonder too, just because Carl's kind of been this precocious you know, child throughout the whole thing, if he didn't, like, when he saw the two of them walking out in that field from the house, because obviously now that we get give give a little more proximity, that he didn't just hightail it out there to go to go be with them. And that, you know, maybe the others heard the shot and then decided to come, whereas Carl maybe had a bit of a jump on him. Or maybe because the barn is closer to where they're at than the actual house is, um, that, that they did it that way. Hard, hard to say. I mean, and, and obviously because we're only getting this from the point of view of these three characters, we don't know what else is going on. I mean, you know, we don't know where if, 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 you know, Daryl and Glenn hear the shot, you know, shot and then start hauling, you know, over to where they are. I mean, hard to say. Um, I've lost but, track of the number of times this show has answered questions we pose on one of our episodes that are, that is answered next week. Yeah. Yeah. So in the first know, three minutes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, my guess is that we'll understand all of this. And it'll make sense, you know, within the first 10 minutes. And even if it didn't, I mean, even if, if we didn't see the, the farmhouse in the background, I would have just taken it as, again, like I said earlier, just one of those things to kind of move things forward and to get the story where it is. I mean, it, you know, it's in my mind for me, it's not really that important that, you know, Carl got there at that time you know, to see what, and to witness what was going on. I mean, there's a hundred explanations that are perfectly valid for how and why he could be where he is at, at that time. Um, well, you know, and thinking about it while we're talking about it, that shot of him with the binoculars on the lookout, I mean, that's got to be how he saw them. He obviously saw them with the binoculars and, and headed out their direction. Yeah. And I'm just thinking more about how the group dynamic would change if they knew for a fact that Rick killed Shane. I mean, they're going to have suspicions, I'm sure. I, but I mean, Rick's not actually, you know, doing a lot to cover up what he's done. 
Well, I, they're going to have Daryl to back him up, though, because Daryl and yeah. figured out that things are not what Shane said. Exactly, and I'm, and and like like we mentioned earlier, I have not really delved or dived into any spoilers or or you know episode summaries or any of that kind of stuff for the next one. But I would fully imagine that Rick is not going to say is not going to make up a story. I think he's fully going to say I had I had to gut him, I had to, to knife him. And then Daryl, and I could easily see Daryl and Glenn chiming in saying, yeah, you know, uh, Randall, you know, Randall, his neck was broken. You know, he, he was let, he was let go. There was blood on the tree that matches, you know, Shane, uh, Shane's height. So I think it's all going to, you know, it all fell apart on him. And I think, um, you know, I saw some stuff that maybe this was Shane. Um, he wanted it to go down this way, that this was his, uh, I've lost it. You know, I'm going to you know, confront Rick and this is his opportunity to just put me out of my misery because I, ca- I just can't take it anymore. I can't take this thing with Lori going back and forth. I can't take the fact that that could be my kid that somebody else is going to raise and I can't deal with. And that it was, it was, you know, almost like suicide by cop um, at, at this point for Shane, as much as it was, you know, maybe him wanting to, to kill Rick. In the books, there is an explanation of a herd. You guys recall what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. A large group of zombies moving kind of like a flock of birds. Yeah, I, I hope it would be cool if, like, that's what came to my mind when I saw that many. Like, I don't know if they'll explain exactly. Uh, uh, this is uh, not spoilish necessarily, but according to Kirkman, uh, in the first few minutes of next week's episode, it, or it'll begin with seeing those zombies a little bit beforehand, so you'll know where they came from and why they were there at that moment. Awesome. Cool. So, so I think you're right on the right track. Hey listeners, Jordan here. Right here at this point in the episode, we recorded a section on um, Shane's death in the comics and also the nature of the virus in the comics. Obviously, if you've seen the show, you now know how those things play out in the show, but we talk a bit about the comic as well, and we didn't want to spoil anybody for the comics if they were worried about that. So we chopped it out. We moved it to the end of the episode with the synopsis for next week's finale. So if you are spoiler adverse, you can just skip that whole section. But if you do want to check them out, it's going to be at the end of the episode, and I'll jump back in then as well to tell you when it's coming. Okay, so do we want to do some buster ratings? Five busters. Brad says five busters. Surprise. I say Brad, four and a half. A Can you give us the rating again? Five busters. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I had seven busters and I took away two busters, how many busters would I have? Five well, busters. You would have two busters because you took away two. <laughs> That's actually true. Very good. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a four and a half. It's right up there with the best episodes of the season, and that just reminded me of something. Let's do the busters, continue, and then I have something to pose. I will give it five busters, and I know I sound like a uh, drooling fanboy because I've given so many episodes this season very high ratings, but I just, I really, to me, the highs in the last couple episodes have been so high that any other, any lows um, are completely negated by by the highs and and like I said, the shame, the, the shame, the scene with um, with Carl and and Rick and their in their speech, I, I really I really enjoyed that. And then just the way the whole thing ended and the fact that we have this zombie horde on the horizon coming after him, just really I thought capped it off. Um, so yeah, five to high, yeah, I mean uh, among the best of the series as a whole. I'll give it four and a half. Um, 
I, I liked the vast majority of this episode. I thought it was great. There were those couple issues with the music and also the scene between Laurie and Shane. I wasn't buying Laurie's acting in that particular, Sarah Wayne Callie's acting in that particular scene. And it just seemed kind of weird. I know they needed to have it to kind of wrap up their story and have her end on a good foot, but still it seemed, uh, it seemed kind of weird. So four and a half for me, but I really did like the episode. I'll to go four and a half as well. Uh, I really enjoy. I'm, I'm glad we finally got resolution to the Shane Rick situation. And it wasn't dragged out for a whole other season. Uh, really, again, I really like the direction in this episode. I really like the, the some of the scenes were just very striking the way they were shot and just very, very well done. I thought the dialogue was really well. The acting was really uh, high caliber. Andrew Lincoln and John Bernthal really brought their A game, as we said before. Um, and, and we got, you know, a lot of good stuff with Daryl and Glenn. And, um, you know, it's just a really good episode, really tight episode. I enjoyed it a lot. All right, real quick, I'm going to run through some Twitter busters. There is nothing lower than a four and a half. Uh, so I'm not going to get too in depth. Uh, five million billion from Court. Uh, Four point five from Brian. Five from Fisty Larue. Five from Michelle. Five from Michael S. Uh, five from Tammy. You get the idea. Four point five from Buster the Zombie. Um, five from Whitney. Five from Chris. Four and a half from Robert. Four from Mike and five from David. So you get the idea. A lot of fours and fives. And uh, we thank everybody for playing on Twitter. It's a lot of fun. Brad, you have a review from Aaron? Yes, I do. Here we go. Hey, guys, I managed to get the review done pretty early this time, so it's posted. But here are the mini thoughts. Really good episode. One of the best of the season. Four and a half busters. The The reign of Shane has ended. I've been pretty vocal about how I found Shane to be the most interesting character on the show, so let's hope the writers step up their game next season and follow suit with the other characters. Bernthal did tremendous work this episode, fitting for it being his last. The scene where he essentially transforms into Darth Shane in the barn while figuring out what to do with Randall was fantastic. The final confrontation in the woods was a wonderful conclusion to the Rick and Shane story. Also good, Andrea and Glenn dealing with Dale giving the character a proper send-off as they basically spent the most time with him. Kind of interesting, Laurie's good intentions talking with Shane only led to his turn to the dark side. I guess that makes Laurie uh, Shane's Padme. Is that what is that what that does? Mm, maybe. Kind of sad. Kind of sad, Rick talking to Carl about Dale's death and forgetting to say, oh, hey, son, next time, tell us about the walkers in the area when you see them. Uh... I'm sure you guys already went over the whole what makes a zombie thing. So all I'll say is Romero rules are in effect. And yes, I believe we we did cover that. Only questions I had, and uh, I think we had uh, a couple of these too. Didn't Shane drag Rick really far away from the camp? Suddenly they seemed closer and Carl found them. I'm not buying binoculars in the dark. Good shot, Carl, by the way. Straight to the head over his dad's shoulders, no less. Too bad it was apparently the one shot the walkers apparently heard, as opposed to all their other shots that have been fired for the yeah. past few weeks. <laughs> yes. Bring Although on I don't the think finale. They've actually, I don't think they've actually fired a gun on the farm. They went out, they drove like two miles away for the target practice. Did they ever fire a gun on the farm? Didn't, Except didn't, for uh, what's when Andrea name? shot um, Daryl, hey. but other than that. Yeah, Andrea yeah. shot one what from about, the top. What about when they cleaned the barn? Sophia. Out? Yeah, I was going to say when Sophia and their, their gang went out of the barn. But if that herd wasn't there at the time, they can't hear it. 
You know, know. If, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear, it doesn't make a yeah, noise. I'm, if a walker is shot by the barn, it doesn't make a noise if there's no herd there to hear it. Well, Shout I think you guys. Nerd herd. I think you guys <laughs> mentioned that uh, we're going to find out about that herd early on next episode, so maybe it'll all that, be that, answered. That's what I hear. So. Jim, how about some Facebook comments? We got Buster ratings all over the board here. We got a lot of great comments on our uh, Facebook group, and if you'd like to join us on said group, it's the Walking Dead TV podcast uh, page. On the Facebooks, just look us up and join in. Uh, John Pissier says 100 plus. Brian Arnold says a 2.5 busters. He hated the ending. What a tremendously wasted opportunity. This and Dale's death may permanently affect my relationship with the show negatively. Ouch. Uh, Brandy Lobster gave it an 11. Uh, Michelle Yvette Peoples gave it a 5 out of 5 busters said that she's going to now refer to Rick as Deadeye Rick because he just gets this look, and you know it means game over. Uh, so, Deadeye Rick then. Uh, Tambono says it would be four uh, four out of five busters. Uh, he'd be happy. He thought he'd be happier with the Shane situation, but now he's kind of uneasy about it, and now his Lori hate is transferred onto Carl. Why does he constantly sneak up on people? Good point. He's a ninja. Ninja Carl. Look out. Uh, coming to a theater near you. Mike Jones gave it five Herschel couches out of five. Uh, I really like that part, too, where he said that he was on the couch. Uh, Everett Santa Marina says that I'm going to go four. It's a shame that Shane didn't have a co-conspirator to telegraph what he was going to, uh, what was going to happen because he was a little clueless as to where things were going. Um, five wandering Carls from Susan Monk, uh, Elisa Gonzalez. Gives it five Carl's excellent episode. Thought of the gorilla song, Kids with Guns. I did too, so I wanted to mention that, uh, Lisa. Terry Bernard, 4.75 busters. It seems to, uh, BDS Murph, 4.25. Uh, like you said, John, everybody seemed, really seemed to enjoy that. A few dissenters here and there. Uh, Deb Hutch and Wetzel's had to give it a 3.75. I think it jumped into automatic zombie story too fast. And then Shane tur- turned in just a matter of minutes. That's something we addressed earlier on the show. So thank you for all your comments on Facebook. We really appreciate it. And uh, it's a very active uh, uh, patient group, and we really appreciate uh, everything that you write, say, and do. Uh, and I know I read it all the time, and the other guys on the podcast do too. So keep it up. We really enjoy it. Thanks. Yeah, the the show, the Twitter feed, and the Facebook page have never been bigger. So we thank everybody for participating. It's no fun if, uh, you know, we don't hear from anybody. Yeah, we're almost to 300 members. We had 19 new members this week so far. So keep it up, guys. And almost 2,000 on the Twitter feed. Nice. I saw that. That's awesome. So we'd like to hit that. That would be cool for the uh, season two finale. Speaking of which, Jordan, maybe we have a preview or maybe you'd like to wrap up the show so people that don't want to hear the preview don't have to. I do have that synopsis for next week, and we'll jump into that after the uh, the end here. You can leave us a voicemail at 516-468-7912 or an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel and check out our Facebook groups for all the shows as well. Check out hhwlod.com for all the great shows, Half Hour Wasted, Legion of Dudes, PKD Black Box, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, Tech Dudes, Media Minutes, and more. Check out forumforgeeks.com. Check out us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. And until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, Rick and Lori Grimes, still parents of the year. And next week on The Walking Dead, this is uh, vaguely slightly spoilish, but not really. The episode is called Beside the Dying Fire. And the small synopsis we have is 
Rick and Carl return from the woods to find the farm in jeopardy. The group is split up in the ensuing chaos. When things look grim, Rick's leadership is questioned. And I cannot wait to see that episode. So until next time, have a good week, everybody. Have good night. Good one. I question your leadership. Hey, everybody. Jordan again. Up next, we have a talk about the comics, Shane's death, and also the nature of the virus, as well as the hosts of the show trying to guess what's going to happen in next week's finale. So it's not really spoilerish, but it's just us guessing, and you never know. If we were right, we wouldn't want to inadvertently spoil something for you. So if you're spoiler-adverse, you probably already checked out by now. If not, that's what you have in store for you. Hope you enjoy. If you're thinking of reading the comics now in the off-season, like we talked about earlier, you might want to skip this section uh, because we're going to compare the death of Shane, uh, which we've already gone over that Shane dies in the comic. We're not going to revisit that, but we're going to get into specifics now. And for people who haven't read the comic and don't plan to, this will spoil nothing from the show because Shane can only die once or, I guess, technically one and a half times. So you don't have to worry (laughs) about this uh, coming back uh, in the show and being spoiled on it. So in the comic, uh, back before they left the quarry, so they're still at the rock quarry from season one, uh, and it's winter at this point because time is progressing a little bit faster on the in the book than it is in the show. Uh, you might remember in the show there was that scene where Rick and Shane are both out with their guns, and Shane has the his sights trained on Rick, and Dale sees them. Well, that scene also happened in the comic, except I don't think Dale was there. However, Carl was. And Carl, who already had his gun and hat, I should point out, at this time, Carl, or well, first off, Shane doesn't just point the gun at Rick, but he threatens Rick, and it's quite clear that he's going to kill Rick, and Carl shoots Shane dead. Rick it's does not kill Carl, Shane does. I'm sorry, right. Rick, Rick does not kill Shane, Carl does. It's basically the same conversation that they had in this episode, you know, about how Rick came back and screwed things up, Shane was going to get the girl, you know, it was going to be perfect, why'd you have to come back, that type of thing. Um, you know, of course, the dialogue was a little different, but basically it was the same subject matter of the conversation. And, and, uh, yeah, Carl came in at the, at the right moment and, uh, and put, he said something like, don't hurt my dad. And he shot him. That was, that's the big thing that we had been dancing around for a year and a half, two years. The spoiler is not that Shane's dead. It's how Shane dies. Right. It was such an amazing thing in the comic because here's this innocent kid. If memory serves, this is issue six of the comic. If memory serves, this yeah, is the correct. first thing that, that Carl had ever had to do like this. I don't think he'd, you know, I don't well, remember. The, the, the one thing that, I mean, I guess if we're going to go spo- kind of leading up to this, there was the whole thing with Rick wanting Shane to, ha- or Rick wanting Carl to have a gun and him and Lori getting into a huge dust up because he pretty much decided it without talking to Lori. And then when she found out, she had a fit and it was a big, point of contention between Lori and Rick that Shane had the or that Carl had the gun and 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 that kind of went back and forth for a little while so and, and being responsible and then um, you know Rick taking Carl out and teaching him how to shoot um, so there was you know that whole thing going on so then we you know get up to this to this moment and again this is the end um, of the first trade so this happens you know, very, very early on in the life of, you know, of the comic. It's interesting how they kind of put a weird twist on it in the show. I mean, Carl still shoots shoot Shane, but, you know, in as a zombie rather than, you know, yeah. trying to protect, and also still trying to protect his dad. Is that like yeah. a what you could do on TV thing? Like, do kids not shoot people on TV? Like, is, No, 
Yeah, I mean, I I think that's yeah. I can't think of kids having guns. Period. I mean, well, well, there's I mean, no I, FCC regulation on cables, so I mean, it's not like they're not yeah, allowed. I, mean, to. I don't think this would fly. Like, if this was network television, I think the sensors would be like the fact that a kid, unless they showed it with like negative consequences or something like that, and it was like a law and order kind of thing. I don't think that this would be anywhere near permissible on on network TV. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I get it and all, but you know, you can you can swing a shovel at a zombie head and saw half the brain open, you know, and that's fine. You know what I mean? But like you can't show a yeah. boob shot and <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's 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 kind of like um Neville Dean and Taylor talked about not to get too far off topic, but with the Ghost Rider movie. It's like, how did you get around the R rating? And it's like, you can burn as many people as you want alive and get a PG-13. Just don't, you know, hack off a limb or shoot them in the head or, you know, show anybody's, you know, bare naughty bits. And and you'll get a PG-13 all day long. Um, So, yeah, it's just kind of funny how the rating system in general works. So, as, you know, five people that have all read the comic, uh, had we like Shane's death in this version? I prefer you know, for a long time. I'm sorry, Russ. Go ahead. No, I was just to say I prefer this version. I think it's it's so much more impactful. The fact that they both killed Shane, um, and obviously it's 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 very much different in context because Carl doesn't know why. Like Carl just knows Shane turned into a zombie. He was going after his dad. He had to shoot him in the head. But the fact that Shane was dead to begin with has it definitely bothers Carl. I mean, Carl is visibly upset by this. He doesn't know why, and and. And, and Rick is upset by the fact that he had to do it. Um, so I prefer this just just because of all of the different angles that are getting played related to this specific incident. I was surprised at how not upset I was by the way this happened. Because, you know, since we started this show, I have been waiting and waiting and waiting to see Carl put a bullet in Shane's head because that was a very powerful issue. And some, I don't think we mentioned it, but the last bit of dialogue in issue six of the comic was uh, was uh, Carl saying something like, "It's not the same as killing the dead ones, is it, Dad?" You know, and that's hard for for a, a you know nine year old kid to deal with. I would imagine having to kill a, a live human being, kill a monster that's about to kill your dad. That's one thing, but to kill a live human being who you know technically was about to kill your dad, I get it. But I was. So I was wanting to see how that would translate into the show and that, that drama with, with Carl killing, you know, somebody he probably loved to some extent. You know, Shane was like a father figure for a while anyway. How many times in the, in the show did, did Carl go to Shane, you know, when he didn't feel like he could talk to his parents? So I was shocked when, uh, when Rick killed him. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not upset about this at all. And I think, it's because of the same thing you were saying, Russell. It it just seemed to have so much more drama and meaning that both Carl and Shane had to kill. I'm sorry, both Carl and Rick had to kill Shane. It seems. Well, I mean, face it, uh, Brad. I mean, in the book, Shane is pretty much a cipher. Like we, like you, we get six issues, uh, not even six issues of, of of Shane as a character, and then he's gone. Whereas in the show, we've had two whole seasons of Shane, you know, being a major player in the group and making, you know, having his influence and uh, effect felt, you know, by everyone in the group and every bit of the story, you know. So I, I, I 
definitely see why you know he'd be more attached. There's a lot more Shane in this story than there was in the in the comic. I think I think you're exactly right. And you know, the, part of the problem with with some monster movies, you know, is where you know it kills people person by person. Is you know you don't feel anything for those first few victims that are that are killed because you didn't have time to relate to those people. Um, and it usually happens that way. But like you said, we've had time either to learn to love Shane or to learn to love to hate Shane. Either way, yeah, it made a huge difference because like you said, you know, Shane was hardly even touched in the comic. And uh, it really, really worked very, very well for it to happen this way in, in the TV show. And um, you can't see me, but I'm giving a standing ovation to whoever made this decision to have it play out this way. I just thought it was really fantastic. What about uh, what about you, John? How'd you feel about the way this went down? Um, I would rather Carl shoot Shane while they were arguing and Shane had his gun drawn at Rick, but I realized that it's more of like a ratings sponsorship television problem that you don't want Carl killing a live man. So I accept the zombie killing. Um, I'm not reading into it much more than that. I don't think they purposely did it that way because they were adding to the story or any of that stuff. I think this was just a smart way to have Carl kill Shane, but not really kill Shane. Uh, but it was okay. I mean, I really liked the episode. It didn't ruin it or anything for me. I would have preferred the comic way, but I understand you know, the world we live in is not going to allow that. You have to have your show on in Japan in order to have that happen. <laughs> so <laughs> Shane's death and Randall's death lead us to the second bit of comic versus show talk. And this is really a comic versus show thing. Um, but we've been also kind of dancing around what are the rules of the zombie infection. Uh, I have mentioned in past episodes what the Romero rules are. And the Romero rules are if you die, you're a zombie. If you are bitten, you will die faster. And that is the rules in the book. That is also now, as we've seen in this episode, uh, the rules of the show, for sure. If you die, it does not matter if you were bitten or whether you died of natural causes, you will return as a zombie. Uh, all the bite does is kill you really quickly. So those are the rules of the show, not the rules of the road. <laughs> the rules of the road are different. Uh, you can watch Jane Silent Bob Strike Back for the, for the rules of the road. But yes, so um, – and people have brought up in, in discussing on the Facebook group and such – um, what about the couple of corpses we saw on the highway in episode 201? And quite frankly, we don't know. Could they have died of brain trauma? And, you know, because they were in a, you know, big pileup, were they mummified by being sitting and locked in cars for, you know, two weeks before the groups came there? So they just couldn't move at all. Um, or, and this is probably going to play into what did Jenner tell Rick? Could it have been that, Hey, originally you had to be bitten. But I've seen in my research that it's starting to change. The virus is mutating. And now, if you die, you will come back as a zombie no matter what. We don't know for sure yet, but presumably, if we do get to what did Jenner tell Rick next episode, presumably we will have the full story uh, next week. Yeah, that was the theory I was putting forth before, is that I think the, the virus is mutating and, and changing as as it goes along. I think that would explain your instant chain zombie and your, uh, we keep seeing zombies that aren't bitten or, or scratched. So, and that could exactly be, like you say, Jordan, what Jenner told Rick. It's like, hey, it's mutating. You know, it's getting stronger. It's obviously not, you know, we speculated back then was, oh, did he tell Rick that Lori was pregnant. You know, it obviously has nothing to do with the pregnancy now because that wouldn't, you know, matter 
anymore. So it's got to be something about about the virus or or whatever it is. Yeah, because even T Dog knows that Lori is pregnant. So a certain couple of us, maybe the members of Podcatraz. Uh, have been privy to spoilers for the finale, so we are not going to participate in this. Portion. And speaking of that, we should warn all of our listeners, like, like we warned last week, the full synopsis of the season finale is online. If you don't want to see it, like me, you need to be careful, and be careful what you're Googling when it comes to The Walking Dead, because you might stumble across it. Yes. So, Brad, I thought it would be fun for us to pose this question to the rest of the guys. Okay. Shane was just killed in the almost finale. What is that called? Penultimate? No. Uh, penultimate, yeah. yes. Yes, penultimate. penultimate. Okay, so we just had the penultimate episode, and Shane was killed by Carl. What's going to happen in the finale? Dance party. I predict there will be... My prediction is there's going to be three deaths, and I think two of them are going to be like random people that we saw in the background, like some of Herschel's relatives or whatever and then i think we're going to have one another major death to cap it off and i think it's either going to be herschel himself or laurie that's that's my prediction i would agree with you on herschel i would say probably also carol maybe um i have a feeling that not only will the zombies be coming but also randall's group will probably show up right at the end um i I think it's going to be a doozy of an episode for sure I uh, I don't know. I'm thinking they they just cast the governor, so they're probably holding off on, until the third episode for that. Um, from the preview, though, I, you know, just a little snippet at the end there. It it looks like uh, a whole bunch of zombies attacking a bunch of people holed up in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, which makes me smile because that's the exact premise of Night of the Living Dead. So I'm really excited to see it. I agree that I think there are going to be some deaths. I think Carol is is out of there, um, and I think probably T-Dog as well. I mean, I'm just, uh, I think it was you, John, that said a couple episodes ago, we realize now that, you know, that the cast is kind of bigger and more unwieldy than the writers may have thought, you know. So I think that, you know, they're going to try to cut some of the chaff. I'd hate to see Herschel go, though, because I love him. He's probably my favorite character right now. Very good. Well, you're all going to poop your pants. Yay. I, I hope not. I really suggest getting some Depends before you watch next week's episode. Wow. Okay. I'll just watch it on the toilet. So so I shouldn't have my bass really kicked up because extra low frequency is probably not going <laughs> to do much for the... It's a brown noise. It's a brown <laughs> noise. You might want to stay away from Taco Bell. <laughs> well, that's uh, just good advice in general. <laughs> so don't have the Dorito, uh, the Dorito-flavored taco at, at Taco Bell. No, have it. Just, well, forget it. Um, I don't cough really hard, either. I shot the sheriff, but I did not shoot the deputy. I shot the sheriff, but I didn't shoot the deputy. Recording. Jordan, it's on you because you're the star. <laughs> okay. That does not bode well. Does anybody have uh, an issue with me using uh, I shot the sheriff as the end music? Technically, a sheriff wasn't shot, so. Well, I was, was, I was actually was thinking I would. I, I shot would someone who works for the sheriff's department. You uh, better put that clip of John singing in the in the bloopers, dang it. <laughs> they always go in the bloopers. Uh, okay, we're here we go. a little short on bloopers. Oh, we're short on bloopers, are we? F*** you, scumbags. <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks, buddy. I think we're all set now. I could I could try and tell the joke that uh, Sean Patrick Flannery told about Troy Duffy at the uh, South by Southwest. Whoa! I have trouble making friends, you <laughs> fucking suckers. <laughs> oh. All right, I'm ready. If you guys I are done, <laughs> I will blow my I will blow my fucking brains out if you can tell me the name of that goddamn cat. Go ahead, tell me that cat's name. Go ahead. <laughs>